Welcome, you are listening to the Overseas Life Redesign Podcast, where you'll hear fun, relaxed, and inspirational interviews with people who are really living the dream. I'm Dawn Fleming, an attorney turned alchemist, and your host for the show, coming to you from the tropical island paradise of Isla Mujeres, Mexico. Listen to conversations with courageous souls who've stepped out of their comfort zone and designed a new way of life. They'll share their experiences, wisdom and offer practical steps you can take to redesign your life overseas. Listen and you'll believe if you can dream it, you can achieve it. Okay, I'm here today with Rick Tilka and he's actually on the other side of the globe in uh, down under in Australia and I'm so thrilled that uh, you were able to find some time to chat with me today. Rick, um, welcome to Overseas Life Redesign Podcast. Thank you very much. Awesome. So um, you are an American? Uh, yeah, I have a dual citizenship now. So you're, since 1990, Americans are allowed to have one other citizenship. So I have Australian citizenship and U.S. still. Okay, so you've been there for a while. Uh, I, I moved here in 1990 and then took like a, a year or two to get the time in, in the country before you can become a citizen. So probably citizen since about 92. Wow. So almost 30 years. So you're like almost an Aussie. I mean, you are an Aussie uh, citizenship. Wise, yeah, yeah. But I, I, I've <laughs> just been here as long as I've been in the U S I've been in Australia now. Fabulous. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, um, cool. Well, we'll uh, unpack that in a moment. Um, but I, I kind of like to start at the beginning, just, I don't know, I'm a lawyer. I like order and, and, you know, um, logical, uh, order. So tell me about how you ended up in Australia in the first place. Is that, and, and then the other question I would have is, um, have you lived other places overseas or um, just in Australia? Yeah, I'll, I'll do a quick, uh, where we, uh, my dad was in the military, so I'll just quickly run through the, all the places that I ended up. So I was born in Texas. Then we moved to Arizona. Then we moved to Ohio. Then we moved to Virginia. And then in Virginia, my dad retired from the Air Force and we moved back to California. So both of my parents originated from California. So that's where I had their families. Okay. And so I started high school on. I've been in California. And uh, that's where I like I did uh, so high school, college. Uh, and then uh, my first job was working in Los Angeles. And then I did a a tour of Australia in like 88. Then I did all the paperwork to, to try and migrate to Australia and ended up migrating in 1990. Um, and then uh, I've, so I've lived here for, for that long. And then when I was in Los Angeles and working, I traveled a lot. So, cause from Los Angeles, the travel was really cheap. So, you know, like Hawaii a couple times, Jamaica three or four times, uh, Europe probably four or five times. So, a lot of different places and then like my sister was working overseas a bit so like when she lived in germany i stayed in germany for a month and when she lived in france i think i was there for three or four months so i've spent a lot of time overseas before i um moved here and then uh i was kind of getting sick of la because la is a great place to live but it's a lot of people so your whole life is well, i want to go a to B, it's like, well, okay, what time of the day is it? All right, that's bad traffic. So I can either go before the peak or after the peak. So you're like traveling on the peak is just a waste of time because it's a slowly moving parking lot going anywhere. So, 
you know, if you want to go anywhere on the weekend, you leave work early. If you want to, it's just, anyway, after a while, you just get tired of it. So. Oh yeah. Um, we know that in, in LA, you don't go by miles, you go by time, right? It's yeah, not. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So like if I wanted to go skiing for the weekend, I would tell my boss, oh, I'm going away for the weekend and he, that's fine. So you'd leave work at like three in the afternoon, you know, you just, yeah. Cause they know it's like when it's his turn, he goes early. And if I left at three in the afternoon, it would take me six hours to get to this place, which is 300 miles away. Like, uh, was it uh, Mammoth Mountain? Sure. And if you left, if you left it your normal time, which is supposed to be five, it would take you just two hours to get out of Los Angeles instead of like forty-five minutes. So it would take right. you like eight hours to get there. So like everyone just, you know, it's a weekend. You want to go early? Everyone just looks the other way and you disappear. Right. <laughs> but so so when I got to uh, to Australia and everyone went, oh man, traffic was bad. I, I had to wait at two lights today to get to work, and I just laugh. I was thinking, right. I, I live five miles from work in Los Angeles, and it was 30 traffic lights. And uh, rush hour, normal rush hour, it was about 45 minutes to get to work. That was right. normal. Wow. And if, uh, in the later years of it, I had a motorcycle. So in Los Angeles, you're allowed to go down the lane. So I would ride my motorcycle, and it would take me half an hour to get to work. Right. So if it was raining in the morning, I wouldn't take my motorcycle, but as long as it wasn't raining in the morning, I'd take my motorcycle. So on the rainy days, I'd be depressed because, you know, I know it's going to take me forever to get to work because I'd be in a car. Sure. But, but, so what, uh, uh, what's your professional background? What, what did you do for work? Uh, I, I went to uni. Uh, uh, I have a, a degree in uh, electrical and computer engineering, okay. which I used it uh, when I was worked at Hughes Aircraft. So we designed like radar bits for fighter aircraft. But oh, cool. when I got to Australia, everyone goes, well, why do you do that in Australia? Because I looked at them, I go, they don't do that in Australia. It's like, <laughs> right. that's not a, it's not a, a local occupation. Viable so, career um, choice in Australia. Yeah, yeah. But, but I, I did find for a, a couple of years, I was working, well, more than a couple of years, I was working for some companies that did aerial surveying. So we would fly around in airplanes and helicopters at really low altitudes and, and look for minerals using... Uh, magnetometers and spectrometers and that was pretty high tech i did that yeah. for a few years but um it it wasn't a very safe occupation because you are flying really low over like terrain that's like well like i did sometimes in png like at the mountains we had this one line so you're flying these grid lines you know up and back uh -huh. and up and back uh -huh. and this one grid line started at seven thousand feet and went to i think was 11 or twelve thousand feet and then you would turn the helicopter around and come down that. And we only had one oxygen mass, so about nine or 10,000 feet. I would like, like, you know, not suffocate, but you'd like, you'd go to sleep because the only oxygen mass would be on the pilot. So you, every line, I'd, I'd go to sleep for about two minutes and oh, then the guy no. nudge me, I'd wake up, I'd hit the button so he knows which way to go back. And then when, as soon as we go down a couple thousand feet where the oxygen comes back, he'd wake it back up and be you know, fine. Oh, for heaven's sakes. Yeah, it was, <laughs> it was weird. Very safe. <laughs> uh, well, uh, so back to the safety thing. So I've had, uh, uh, so I knew some, like the helicopter pilots would transition in and out as their, as their shifts came and gone. So like I knew a few of those pilots that had died. I knew a few people that worked on some of the uh, 
airplanes that I've worked with who, who died in a few crashes. Cause like when anything, the airplanes would at the maximum height would be 300 feet above ground. And the lowest I've ever done, I did a helicopter survey that was seven meters. So, so like the first day you're like literally, cause the helicopter when it flies, it's, it's leaning forward. So for the first day you're staring at the ground, like, oh man, that's close. And then oh, like you, man. after half an hour, you just, you know, you get used to it. But first day, oh, but that was the lowest. Yeah. So, but so anything happens like you're, you're in the ground, like I... without time to recover and stuff. So luckily I, uh, I did have one close one, but I didn't ever luckily crash because I'm still here. <laughs> but um no I, I, like I said, I've had friends who like been in a, one was in a two engine plane and one of the engines stopped and at that altitude, they didn't have time to recover. So that crashed at a single engine one in the company I was with. They were faring over water and they ditched into the water. Um, then I, I was doing a ferry flight with the survey helicopter to base camp and we just fueled up and we're heading up, up this little mountain and the, uh, the helicopter started shaking the pieces. So he set it down. Luckily there was like one river bank there because we'd just flown like an hour over the jungle in PNG. And if you think there's a clearing in PNG, you've never flown over. It is solid wall of jungle and it's just topography up and down and up and down mountains. Like for a, a local to go from one village to another, sometimes it'll take three or four days and it'll maybe be 10 miles away because they got to go, up a mountain that's oh, maybe yeah. 8,000 feet and then down the mountain that's 8,000 feet. So that's, but anyway, so while we're flying the one hour, there's nothing to stop. There's like, if you anything happens, like, you know, you're just going to land in the jungle and sure. you know, it's going to be pretty ugly. But luckily we just stopped, fueled up. It's just when we took off, this one piece broke off the rotor of the, the tail and man, you would think someone had shot you because the whole chopper, you couldn't even see the instruments. It was going, da, 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 da. <laughs> luckily you got it down and we all got out and go, Oh, that didn't feel good. <laughs> so did, did you have to hike out of there or what, what did they end up oh, no, no, Somebody it, else? Or? It, it, it happened very luckily just on takeoff. So he, he just cleared the landing pad and just past the landing pad, there was a, a river, Bank, so he put it down there like you know he, he had to go down as quick as he could because if he flew for five minutes longer it would have broken the tail off and then you're really done but anyway so he got it down the river bank turned it off we all got out had a bit breath and, and breath and walked 100 meters back to the landing pad which was a base camp so they had, oh you know, okay. Just okay so you could stay get there so yeah we just camped there well stayed there and then they had to call in a whole other helicopter with a mechanic to come and fix the mess oh so, Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you left that career behind. Uh, yeah, that was like my first big job in Perth. And then after that, like, well, I don't know, I had a couple little jobs. And then my last big job was for 14 years, I was driving around a truck selling tools. Oh. So I was a tool salesman. So Like a snap-on tool, like to mechanics I, kind I, of thing? I didn't, I didn't want to name the company, but that's, <laughs> that was the, well, I just know about that. that. My, my husband was a mechanic, and so he's yeah, got that, like that. big tool chests, and yeah. So I, yeah, I that was um, the one. And I dated a guy when I was in law school that that uh, was a mechanic as well. So I know all about that. 
They did but say yeah, those, snap, those snap, were the best tools the, that were out uh, there. So <laughs> yeah, they're, they're good tools. Unfortunately, I wasn't the best salesman. So uh, after 14 years, they said you aren't selling enough. So on, <laughs> on to on to something else. Ah, uh, okay, all right. So let's back up. So what what in particular brought you to Australia? It was was it work or not? Uh, no, 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 no. I, I, I was just looking for someplace less crowded than Los Angeles. Okay. I'd done a tour of Australia the year before I, I moved. And I thought, well, I'll ask Australia if I can, you know, if I can uh, migrate there. If they let me, they let me. And if they don't let me, my second choice was going to be San Diego. I'll just come back to, if I don't like Australia, I'll, I'll come back and I'll look for work in San Diego. But finding work in San Diego is pretty hard because it was a very desirable place. Had a little bit less traffic, right? But it was a nicer climate than Los Angeles and stuff. So it was actually more difficult getting work in in San Diego than it was in Los Angeles. Okay, so uh, so you just sort of randomly picked Australia then, or yeah, pretty pretty random. Well, pretty it, it has a it has a similar climate. Like I like Los Angeles climate. You know, it's okay. not too hot, not too cold. The okay. one thing I miss about Los Angeles is they had big mountains. So you could go skiing in the summer, uh, summer in the winter. Right. Whereas the bi- the biggest mountain in Australia is uh, Kosciuszko. It's 5,000 feet. Okay. Well, in Los Angeles, the small mountain was, I think, 6,000 feet, Big Bear. And that was like one hour away. So like right. in the weekends, you, you drive up there, go skiing, and then come back and like you could go to the beach the same day. Sure. But in Perth. We have, I think, the highest place would be maybe two thousand feet, and if a, if it's a really cold winter day, you might get a centimeter of snow that lasts a couple hours, and it'll be on the front page. Oh, look, we had snow in Western Australia. So no skiing. <laughs> no skiing in Western <laughs> Australia. There, there's people. There's a lot of people in Perth that have never seen snow. I really? Mean, like, okay. I easily half the population. Like, you, you know, they go, oh, what's snow like? I go, well, stick your head in the freezer and grab some of that ice that's in there. That's snow. <laughs> I go, oh, is that what it is? <laughs> yeah, How but imagine you're, you're, you're freezing your ass because, you, you know, it's all cold ass, you know. They go, right. Oh, but I'd right. love to see it. And they go, well, after half an hour of freezing, you won't. <laughs> cool. So um, so let me ask you um, about the, the culture. So obviously, as a military kid, you were used to moving around a lot. You probably got good at, you know, acclimating to new cultures and new environments and meeting new people. But obviously, when you make that big of a, a move from, you know, United States, Los Angeles to Australia, there's an adjustment. Um, that you have friends, but you don't have... I don't have lifelong friends. You know, I have, I don't know. I have no friends that I'm in contact from uh, high school with anymore. I have one friend I'm in contact from university still, but you know, you, 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 for me transitioning, you'd have a group of friends and then kind of lose contact with them because back then before the internet, you know, all you could do is either a phone call or a letter. And I wasn't good on doing either of those. Now right, it has that has so. changed things dramatically, hasn't it? The ability to yeah. keep uh, track of people um, yeah. compared to you know, say when we were growing up and we didn't have those uh, capabilities to be able to do that. Yeah, so there's a, there's a few people have reconnected a little bit with like my cousin who lives in Florida 
he's doing a lot of stuff with Facebook and stuff. So chat just a little bit with him, but not very good in the communication department. It's like if someone's in the room, it's all right. But I'm just a strong introvert who's happy to be with myself. <laughs> well, cool. So, um, so then uh, when you did move to Australia, did you, uh, what did you find um, socially? I mean, did you, were you uh, really, did you make an effort to meet new people or? Uh, most of the people I have met, like have been friends of girlfriends. <laughs> Cause okay. they, yeah, they, they've got their lifelong circle of friends. And so I'm brought into that relationship. So that's, so like, yeah, I, I would say that, you know, I meet a few people and stuff, but the, the, the really long relationships have been friends of the families of my girlfriends. Okay. So that's a best then, way to describe and it. And then do you travel back to the United States on any kind of regular basis or do you pretty much hang out in Austria? <laughs> The, the, the last time I went to the U.S., I had to renew my passport, which had expired by two years. So I renewed it, and I went to the U.S., and then I've looked at my passport the, I don't know, last year or whatever. And it's like, oh, no, it's about to expire in a year. <laughs> and I had one trip to the U.S. on it in 10 years because it's 10 years for the, right? the thing. So it, it, it's such a big trip from Perth to get to, to Los Angeles is where my half of my family still is. Uh-huh. Um, my, my parents got divorced uh, while I was in uni. So my mom and dad, yeah, anyway, so the family's a little bit disparate. Now the family's everywhere. I got a, a little sister in London. Well, not London, England. Uh, my big sister was living in Brisbane. She still has a house in Brisbane. Her husband and family's still in Brisbane. And she's working in San Diego at the moment. Uh, my brother still lives in Los Angeles. My mom still lives in Los Angeles. Yep. And have I forgotten anyone? And me in Perth. That's all so the family. Have you? Have they visited you? Uh, let's see. My brother's been to Perth two or three times. My sister's, when she lived in Brisbane, was really good about coming over. Like what we would do is like, oh, I'm, if I'm going to Bali, I'd tell her, I'd give her like a half a year notice and she would meet me there or, or she'd meet me in, in Perth. She spent like uh, maybe six months in Perth while she was doing some temporary work. Okay. Uh, so we, we would get together more regularly as the distances were closer. Uh, so, oh, the other reason I don't go to the U.S. is like it, it's a, a more than 24 hours to get there. So like, is it really? Yeah, do, you got to go Perth to Melbourne or Perth, you got to go to some East coast city to get a flight to Los Angeles. So it would be okay. Perth to say Melbourne. That's a five hour flight. Then you got to, you know, wait for the next plane. Then it'd be say Melbourne to Sydney, which one way is 14 hours and another, the other way is 12 hours. I don't remember which way is, you know, one way is the long way. One's, so, you know, that's two flights. And by the time you add up the flights and the time in between and the time to get the airport, it's, it's comes out to close to, 20 hours, 24 hours. Wow. Yeah. So you, you start whatever plane you end up on in Melbourne. If you got a Melbourne, you can go out of Melbourne out of Sydney or out of Brisbane. Uh, if you start with breakfast, you'll go uh, breakfast, lunch, dinner, breakfast. Or if you start with dinner, you go dinner, breakfast, lunch, dinner. Yeah. That's a, that's a hike. Yeah. That's a so hike. it's, it's, and, and, you know, I live there, so I'm not, 
doesn't do a whole lot for me going back. Sure. We'll be back in a moment. Isla Mujeres is a Caribbean jewel off the coast of Cancun. Castellito del Caribe warmly invites you to enjoy our spectacular oceanfront villa located in the heart of El Centro and a short walk to Playa Norte, which is ranked one of the top 10 beaches in the world. With an ocean view of crystal clear turquoise waters overlooking both the Caribbean and Cancun city skyline, we offer a fabulous location for you to enjoy all the peace and tranquility you're looking for on vacation, while also taking in all the excitement the island has to offer, with activities either in walking distance or a golf cart day excursion away. Please visit castellitocaribe.com www.castellitocaribe.com We look forward to seeing you soon. Integrity Vacation Property Management Trust, Truth, Results From buyer's representative services to rental market analysis, staging, marketing, and full-service property management, achieving your goals is our top priority. Visit our website at www.integrityvpm.com and get our free guide, Self-Manage or Hire, a property owner's checklist of issues to consider. Contact us for a free consultation to see if we can help you maximize the return on your investments. Integrity VPM, raising the bar in vacation property management. Welcome back to the Overseas Life Redesign Podcast. Thank you so much for being here. And we invite you to subscribe if you like what you hear. Where, where we travel to most of the time for holidays now is, is from Perth to Bali, which is only three and a half hour flight. Before COVID, we were getting flights, sometimes $200 round trip. Nice. Um, I think our record once we got like a really good special was like a hundred bucks. No, $130 round trip. And everyone looked at what? Wow. But now with... With COVID, it'll probably go back to like, you know, $800 round trip or something. Yeah. But. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I, I went in chatting with you, you said, I, when you said Bali, because I'm thinking like, you know, cha-ching, that's, that's expensive uh, travel, right? And then you said, no, actually, there's, there's some really it, expensive places that you can. It's exactly. It's every, if you want a cheap place, you could, we, we stay at a place that's literally 20 bucks a night. You know, it's got air conditioning, pool. Nice. Uh, a little fridge. You know, it's like a normal hotel, but sure. cheap. Sure. And across the street, it's a place for 400 bucks a night. And then there's there's these places where you can get these villas right on the beach that are $4,000 a night. So if, if you want to spend it, they'll take it. Sure. So sure. But, the, but it doesn't have to be that way. It can be. Uh, exactly. There, there is every. Place. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's affordable. Very yeah. cool. So, um, well, actually, my next question was going to be, what's your favorite thing about living in Australia? Um, and maybe that's it, uh, the, the, the travel to uh, other exotic places nearby. But, but is there, are there other things that, that you love about living in Australia? Uh, well, like every weekend, we'll, I, I live in near Fremantle. Like it's a 15, 20-minute walk into Fremantle to take your car. It's literally like two minutes to drive in. And there's probably 10, 15 pubs in Fremantle. So uh, every weekend we'll go in and have a four or five drinks. <laughs> so, but, but, but we don't like during the week, it's like, all right, no more drinking during the week. So we're dry on the week. And then uh-huh. on the weekend we'll, we'll go out. So Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday night, we'll go in into the pubs and restaurants and stuff. So it's, it's quite nice. Cause that's a, 
one of Perth has like two big entertainment districts and Fremantle's one of them. Okay. But you know, so, as we get older, we come home earlier. <laughs> sure. So like live music or, or what? Yeah, uh, yeah. They have, they have bands. Uh, they have, you have two nightclubs. Okay. I think we still got two. And yeah, so you can, the pubs will go on the weekends till midnight, maybe in the summer to 1am. And then if you, you know, if you really feel like going for it, there's a, there's a nightclub that goes to probably six in the morning, <laughs> wow. but, you know, yeah. in my age group, you, 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 at six in the morning, it's usually when you're getting up. And then... <laughs> right. Isn't that the truth? <laughs> Definitely the case here. <laughs> like, like if we're out at, uh, if, like, I think last Friday we were home at nine o'clock. You know, <laughs> right. Like, like my girlfriend, her, her name's Freddie, even though it sounds like a guy at night. Her, her real name's Florence, but she doesn't like that name, so she goes by Freddie. Sure. So Freddie will come, come by at six o'clock. We'll be in, you know, having our first drink at 6.15, and typically we'll be home by nine o'clock. Okay. And same thing, Saturday, Sunday, home at nine o'clock. And, Just kind and of then, hang out for a few hours. And... Yeah, yeah. Sometimes we'll have two drinks. Sometimes we'll have four drinks. And, mm-hmm. you know, if mood hits us, we'll have six. But, yeah, that's normal. And so that's like – and then, like, some well, – maybe we'll eat out that night. Sure, just buy pizza and eat in there. Yeah. So, but like you know, we're spoiled for restaurants. You know, we got really great Italian, uh, but there's Thai food and one or two Mexican. That's not nice Mexican here. <laughs> no, I don't think I would be impressed uh, <laughs> with every, that, it's, uh, it's like. It, 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 have you ever had East Coast Mexican in in the U.S.? No, I it's can't like, say I have. I know it, it, better. Their, 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 their idea of uh, Mexican is, is it's like in, in, in Australia and East Coast in the U.S. is three different colors of sour cream. And then they'll put in like a, a I don't know, a, a hard taco shell and, and a bit of meat. And they go, you know, that's Mexican. And you go, <laughs> no. where's the where's the flavor? Where's the where's the good stuff? Yeah. And then you get over to, you know, like California, they have some really good Mexican. Oh, yeah. Well, there's plenty of Mexican cooks there. That's why. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, like the best Mexican, San Diego, because they got all the Mexicans yeah. that work there and they got Absolutely. the better foods. Because when you get into Mexico, they, they, they can't afford the good cuts of meat, so they don't serve the good cuts of meat. Right. So unless you go to some really fancy restaurants, you're, you're eating a lot of gristle and, you know, it's good food, but it's better in San Diego, like. You know, I still miss a good burrito, like getting a good burrito. <laughs> I bet. Yeah. Not, 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 not possible. You can get a good <laughs> margarita here. Yeah. But, but, but again, go back to like, you know, you have Australia prices and you, you got, you know, like Mexico prices. So like a, a margarita here would be on average 15 to $18 a glass. No, really? When wow. I, when I go into... Fremantle, they they have some like I love like all the we got fancy beers. One of the pubs I go to has fifteen or eighteen taps. Okay, and so every week it'll have three different new beers, like you know, like different sure you know, just one off things. Thing. Yeah, sure. craft beers, and I think my record for a price on a pint, I think it was about twenty dollars or maybe twenty two dollars. Because they, they go, all right, before I serve you that pint, you got to be aware that this is going to be, you know, because they were getting so many people were getting the pint put in front of them and, and they're going, what the, that much, what, how much? A cheap pint in, in Perth, 
cheap, 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 cheap pint would be $8. No kidding. Wow. I had no idea yeah. it was that expensive there. Yeah, that, that's cheap. So consequently, you go into Bali and you'll get a big bottle of beer, which is like 750 mils. And that'll be on average about $3. So, wow. you know, easily, easily half the price of Perth. But you don't have the choice of beers when you're in Bali. You know, you, you basically just get their bintang and sure. one, one or two other beers, but they're all pretty average beers. So is it just Perth that's that expensive or is it that expensive in Australia? Perth, Perth, a little bit more expensive. But even if you were in Sydney, you would probably be paying a cheap pint in Sydney would probably be $6. Well, it's funny to uh, be talking about this because I've done some interviews um, and especially with sailors and they judge how expensive a place is by the cost of beer. <laughs> like that's the metric yeah. that they use. Yeah. So it's kind of interesting that, that that's what we're talking about here is beer as sort of a gauge of how expensive a place is to live. We, we have a, a very active port and we used to have the U S Navy on a, a, a regular port call to come into Fremantle and they would come in two times a year or something like that. And it was always nice, you know, cause it's nice seeing your, your, your town lively and you know, sure. American sailors are, very well behaved compared to Australians. <laughs> Australians get too many beers in and they get a bit loud and stuff. But, I have heard that. <laughs> but oh, the, the funny one is when the, the American sailors would come in, they'd always get the talk from their commanding officer and he would go, whatever you do, don't go drinking with the Australians. You will never win. Don't do it. You're being warned. Don't do it. It's not safe. And, you know, the sailors go, what do you mean? What do you mean? Because, like, our beer is a little bit stronger on average. Like, an average beer is 5%. And I think the U.S. average beer is, I don't know, 3%, 4%. I don't know. what, But anyway. Lower. So, like, a, an Australian here can drink significantly more than, than, than the Americans because we're used to a little bit higher strength, I guess, or something. Tolerance. But, so yeah. Yeah. So, so, when they get here, they're warned, do not get in a drinking thing with an Australia and it will not be a happy ending. Won't end well. And yeah. So it's one of their big, big warning things was to have a chuckle about it. It's like, oh, come on guys, we'll buy a few drinks. Like, oh, no, 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 we're okay. <laughs> <laughs> How funny. Um, so have well, you, you can tell by the, and you can tell by their haircuts, you know, they got that little. Zip. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. I'm sure you can probably see them coming. Yeah, Cause um, they're not allowed to wear their uniforms anymore. Is that right? Well, you know, the terrorists thing, they don't want to be targets in Port uh, anymore. I see. I see. Because before the terrorism, they would always wear their whites, and it was really nice. And you could tell from miles away, oh, there's, sure. you know, that's, yeah, well, they're well behaved. So it's, I have no complaints against them. Oh, sure. yeah, some funny Australians do some funny things. Like the, an Australian will somehow get a, a rental car under a fake name. And one of the scams is they'd get one of the Navy guys and they'd sell them a car. And a Navy oh, no. guy go, oh, oh, wow, I can buy it. You know, I don't know how, how the, exactly it works. But anyway, they get these dopes that, you know, think they're buying a car for 500 bucks or something. And then this guy walk away with the money. And, you know, this guy basically has a stolen car. Buying a rental car. Oh, dear. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you hear all these, you go, what? Yeah, the Australians just tell you some of the scams that happened, you know. You know, going back, you know, probably 20 years ago when, when they couldn't track things as well online. But, you go, wow. Poor guys. Oh yeah, yeah. It's all right. They got loads of money. They don't know the difference. 
<laughs> oh dear. <laughs> so have you had an opportunity to travel around to different parts of Australia? Um, when when I used to do the aerial surveying, I've been to like most places that Australians haven't been. So like I spent uh, times in Halls Creek, Mount Isa, Dejera, Cloncurry, uh, half the places I can't even remember their names. <laughs> it's like tiny, tiny little place. Because when you do aerial surveying, obviously there's no point of surveying over a city because you can't make a mine there. Right. So, Absolutely. So they would, they would, you know, so you'd be in a lot of remote camps. And okay. And you would go and, because you want to make your base as close to the survey area as you can. So you're not wasting fuel getting to the area. Because when you're flying survey in an airplane, you'd be, you know, the endurance of the plane would be maybe seven hours and you'd be six hours just going back and forth and back and forth. And then you'd have to, you know, run out of fuel. So you have to go stop and get it. And then when you're in a helicopter, you can only usually do about an hour. Then right. You go, go and get fuel. Yeah. yeah. Go again. And so in a helicopter, well, you might stop on a busy day, maybe six or seven times refuel. And on an airplane, you would just uh, do a, like a lunchtime refuel and just go keep again. keep going. Yeah. So I guess the, the, I, what I'm trying to get at is if you have had a, a, the opportunity to have a sense of the country like, I guess what I'm comparing it to is the United States. You know how the United States really isn't homogenous. Like, depending on where you are in the United States, it's almost like a collection of a whole bunch of different countries. And I'm wondering if your experience with Australia is similar, if it's more of a homogenous uh, type of a, a culture, or if you do find a lot of differences amongst the different regions and the different major cities. It's similar to the U.S. in that, you know, from coast to coast, you can pick an accent and stuff like that. So I'm still pretty good at, like, when someone's on the news from America, you know, I'll go, oh, that guy's from New York or from Boston or from Florida. And my girlfriend's like, sure. how do you know? I go, well, you can hear the accent. She goes, yeah. how do you know? Oh, the funny one, she goes, oh, that's Canadian. She goes, how do you know? I go, didn't you hear him say oot? She goes, what? She goes, yeah. oh, now I, can, yeah, now I can pick a Canadian. Sure, so, sure. So there, there are some slight accents, like a, an, Aust uh, an Australian from Queensland has a little bit of an accent you can pick up, but it's, and then a Melbourne has a slightly like a nasally kind of New York thing, but it's, it's hard to pick out. Um, it would be like a few of the words, would their short words would be a little bit different. So like a guy from Queensland might say, uh, sunnies and maybe they wouldn't say sunnies in in Perth with sunnies you know sunglasses everything in the U.S. Oh, is the okay. long terms and they, like no one would say turn the air conditioner on here they go get the AC on or you know turn the evap on or whatever something short everything's if you can make it short sure. you, you shorten it here so it's not like a different word it's just a short version so everything's short you know get the sunnies can you know put the AC on put the yeah I don't know you can't think of the words anymore when you use sure. them all the time, but, but everything's like short. So they're, they're slightly different, but the big difference between the U S and Australia is everyone lives on the coastal regions. So once you get 50 kilometers inland, it's Perth, Australia is a, just kind of a desert. It, it's a little up North. It's not, it has a bit of um, jungles and stuff. But when you're the bottom half of Australia, as soon as you go 50 Ks inland, it's it's pretty barren. So there's just the cities go from, you know, being 100,000 people to a normal 
place might be a thousand people or you get a small place might be 200 people. Okay. So it's pretty, pretty sparsely populated. So like you'll get a few signs going, you know, no services for 200 kilometers. Yeah. That's a warning. You know, if you haven't got a full tank of gas, Fuel man, up. <laughs> yeah, don't go past this sign because nothing going to help you. Right. And, and you know, there's a few places where you get that. But like to give you the, 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 you know, it's a huge place. Just our state, when we were driving back from Queensland once, we got to the border. We go, ah, oh, good, we're almost home. Two days later, we got back home. Wow. Because to go to go from our border to, to uh, Perth would be maybe 1,500 kilometers or something like that. Wow. And that's just, we're, we're the biggest state, Western Australia. Okay. But yeah, along that way, there was, there wouldn't have been 10 towns hmm. that whole way. It's, it's very, just, very know, desolate in between. Yeah. They're just enough towns to have a place to sleep and get fuel sort of thing in. Cause it's right. not so a whole amongst lot the, the coastal towns, are they very similar to each other or are there substantial differences culturally? They're, they're, there's a lot of differences. Like, like you, you go three or four hours South, you get to Margaret river. That has a very touristy name. It's a wine country and has a lot of, tourist oriented thing so it has a very famous west for for australia it's very famous you say uh margaret river everyone knows it and, and it's a really pretty place it's got a bit more vegetation than perth does a bit cooler because it's south mm-hmm. um but you know it's still the same people as up in perth it's just a different work down there you, you, less city work so you know you, you work on the vineyards maybe cutting vines or maybe a, more of a tradesman or something like that so there's not the city jobs down there so uh-huh. that, that's main when you when you get out of the big metropolis yeah the jobs get a lot more rural maybe maybe farming or something like that versus okay working in a office building right so not it doesn't sound like it's it's too um, diverse as like I said as compared to the United States where you almost have like you know you almost feel like you're in a different country sometimes when you go from one part of the country to another say California to Appalachia for example or or something like that. Um, the, 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 yeah, the, the only the biggest shocks are when you like when you leave like the metropolis and you end up in a, a little town and you know there's like. The outback. One, oh, oh, yeah, the outback. And you call it, you know, a one pub town. It's like, yeah, sure. Where, where, where else can you get a drink? Oh, an hour that way or an hour right. that way. <laughs> really? And you go, and, and there's some guys that live on farms and, they, and they'll go shopping once a week and it's nothing that two, three hour drive to get to where they're not a shopping center. It's just the shop. A place. And then, to you know, yeah, maybe in. the big, maybe the big shops are five or six hours away for them. Yeah. So, you know. Depending where you're, you know, some of the farms are quite isolated for the farmers. Sure. So you know, really feel a bit sorry for them because it's a very isolated life for for yeah. them. Yeah. Well, but if that's that's what they're used to, and they don't, yeah, they yeah, yeah. different. Yeah. They don't, they don't know that they're missing anything. So but, but, um, I, I couldn't take that. So like some of these, when I was doing the jobs, like in Halls Creek, I was there for three or four months, and yeah, I knew what to expect. It was, uh, I think, it was a 200 people lived in Halls Creek and the surrounding Aboriginals that, that kind of used that place for food and lodging and all that and came for 
anyway, there were about 2,000 of those, but you didn't see them as much as the white people because they didn't really live in town. Uh-huh. So, you know, that's give you an idea of you know, how small, but in that place, yeah, like I said, I spent a few months there doing the living and surveying and stuff. So you lived in a hotel. And, uh, sorry, what was your next question? Oh, no, no, I, I, uh, I it's been um, um, very interesting. I guess um, what I'm wondering is uh, what, what do you see on the horizon uh, for yourself? Do you, uh, do you think uh, you'll probably stay where you're at? Or are you uh, considering other options or what, what do you see on the horizon for you? There's two things like we are, uh, we have spent a lot of time in Bali. So I've probably been there 20, 30 times. My girlfriend's probably been there 40, 50 times. We're actually like considering maybe getting a place there because you can get, uh, we've seen places for like the whole year. It's like $15,000, which is Uh a very nice place. And then there's places that are more and there's places that are less. And so we're, looking at that you wouldn't as a white person you don't have the right to own property in asia you only have the the right to rent a term lease yeah well you can you you can rent obviously but you, you can also own like like you can buy a property and you for a white person you might have it in bali for instance you might have a, a 50 year lease so okay. no one can kick you out for 50 oh, years. Oh, so long-term, long-term. Yeah. But there's still the government who say, all right, now we don't like your your government and all of you have to leave because the government overrules. They can do that. What, yeah. So it's you never have the right to stay there if mm-hmm. the government wants to overrule it. But anyway, it's just a trade-off. You can, you know, we still Australia. I'm still Australian, so I could always come back to Australia. But uh, – I'm still trying to like get an online presence and, and build it up, which is, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I'm going to probably a bit too slow at it, but you know, I'm trying. So at the moment I'm doing a bit of high end coaching stuff with the Russell. So, you know, Russell Brunson and sure, absolutely. absolutely. seeing if I can't get a, a presence kind of following his model with, uh-huh. with, with, with his people coaching me. Awesome. Just, you know, which is good, but, Still, I'm running into the same thing where do this, do this. And it's like, uh, don't skip that step. It's like, uh, say, all right, why haven't you gone to the next step? We said, don't skip that step. Well, do that step. Well, I haven't done it yet. So it's, <laughs> right. Anyway. That's a process for sure. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> and, and it's a lot of, a lot of, you know, bears. You got to put yourself in places that before, you know, as an introvert, you don't want to go there. Well, but. yeah. I mean, and and thank you for saying that because, um, you know, I've been working for two years on my project here um, and finally feel like I've found a model that works for me. And, you know, I've tried on multiple coaches and programs and courses and all of that stuff. And, um, you know, I've fortunately, I have a very supportive husband who is like, whatever you, whatever you think, dear, (laughs) you know, I mean, he, he just trusts my instincts. And, um, I feel like, you know, everything that I've done over the last two years has served its purpose. In other words, I've learned something very valuable that has helped me get to the next level. And, you know, it never goes as fast as we want it to. Um, it's never as easy as we want it to be. But yet I kind of feel like, 
you know, there is sort of a grand scheme to these things and we are right where we're supposed to be. And it's only literally within the past couple of weeks that I've been really excited about where things are and, and how they've been going. And like I said, I started well over two years ago on this journey of figuring out what's my brand, what's my message, what's my market and all of that. And it just takes time. Um, and, and, and sometimes, you know, I tried other target markets and other things and it just didn't feel right. And I guess that's what I would say is, you know, go with your gut, you know, and, and, you know, if it, if it resonates with you, if it really feels like, it's good. And, and you're, you know, I'm still getting out of my comfort zone every time, you know, going, ah, you know, I don't know I can do this, but um, yeah. I'm going to do it, you know, and you just kind of punch through it. Um, and I, I'm still trying to find my voice. And, and yes. once you find it, I can see the power in it. Like you say, I've been doing yeah. this for years of study and years of courses and years of listing and you can see it all, but sooner or later you got to start doing it. And I haven't done enough of it. And so now I'm starting to do the, the painful and embarrassing steps of, you know, making yourself public and making yourself known. And Yeah, you know, and, find, and I, I love that. Voice. You know, I know we both have done the One Funnel Away Challenge, I think, a couple of times. Um, and yeah. that, that um, piece of it where they say publish every day. And you're like, what the hell am I going to publish? Right. I mean, <laughs> I don't yeah. even know what to say, you know, but just yeah. forcing yourself to, to do it, the consistency, I can really see yep. the value of that. And actually that's how this podcast started was it really came out of that uh, one funnel away challenge where they said, you need to publish and yep. pick, pick something, pick, you know, and I started blogging and I was like, eh, and I'm a great writer, but it just, it didn't seem like it was the right method of communicating for me. I just felt like this audio um, program. So, and you have just launched a podcast. You just, just said you're dabbling in that. Embarrassing. I think my (laughs) intro and outro is longer than my episode, but it's like, you know, it's like, just start doing it. So I'm, I'm starting to do it and I'm hoping as I get more comfortable, because I have to go through and I'll do, I have to go through and edit the pauses because I just, I don't remember the next thing to say. And it's just, uh, well, that's okay. And uh, that's, that's uh, the beauty of it. I mean, uh-huh. I use audacity and I, you know, I, Oh yeah. I, I use that too. It's great. Right? It's great. It's free and it's easy. And, and trust me, I mean, I still go through and edit out my ums, you know, it's just, it's just the way it yeah. is. That's how people talk. And, and I probably over edit for what I really need to, but, that's just the attorney in me that says, you know, oh, it's got to be perfect. Well, of course, it never yeah, yeah. It, it, it'll be nice when we're fluid and <laughs> I can just c- carry on a normal conversation and actually not have to think of what do I want to talk about next and yeah. not, you know, make it sound like you're in the pub instead of like you're embarrassed and you don't want to finish your conversation, but. Well, good. Anyway. Bravo for you for, for doing that. Um, and like I said, I, uh, I, I'm in the, my thirties somewhere, uh, episodes of podcasting and I still feel like I've got a lot of in, a room for improvement, but I also know I've come a long way from the very beginning. And that's kind of what you have to focus on is the progress. And, you know, what is the saying? Um, our goal is progress, not perfection. Um, yeah, exactly. Getting past perfection, you, you got to just forget it. <laughs> well, just, especially for why, 
engineer types or attorney types. I mean, we have this ideal, right, that isn't real. And just saying, you know what, forget about that. And that word slurred, do the whole thing again. Oh, that is yeah, like, no, the hypercritical part of it. Put it out there. Don't, and, and the other one is don't go back and listen to it. It's like, <laughs> it's just well, and you, put it out there. You have to, right? And get on to the that's next how one. We earn. And that actually, that was one of the best pieces of advice that I read when I was studying how to do a podcast. Is it said, they said, always for at least your first 10 episodes, do your own editing because it will make you a better interviewer. And I think that was gold. Um, to yeah. say instead of it's easy to, to hire that stuff out, but when you have to listen to it, you really do notice things, and it might it sometimes Ooh. it's really cringeworthy in the beginning, <laughs> yes. right? You're yes. just like, ah, oh, why did I say that? That's that. but yeah. you know that's the beauty of editing. You can like cut it all out. Um, so just being uh, sitting with the idea that you know what it's it's a process, and we're all going to get better, and you know. None of us, none of us are perfect. So <laughs> think of that. Yeah. Well, I have one last question and that is, um, is there anything I didn't ask you that you want to add um, to, to kind of sum it up? Uh, no, I don't have anything Okay, that's perfectly okay. That. <laughs> that's a totally acceptable answer. I always ask that because sometimes people do say, yeah. oh, yeah, I forgot about this or whatever. So I always like to kind of end on that question. And well, that's supposed to be the segue to plug in your thing, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> well, and you are certainly welcome to do that if you have anything, uh, websites or, you know, like no. links to podcasts or anything like that that you want to forward to me. I am more than happy to include them in oh, the notes. If, if someone, if, if they're interested, you, though, they can look up Rick Toka. I'm signposted. They'll find what they need to find. Perfect. So it's, Perfect. It's easy. I'm making it as easy as I can. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time today, Rick. I really do appreciate it. And um, I wish you the best in your um, future endeavors. Thank you. And I look forward to hearing more of your podcast. Awesome. This episode of the Overseas Life Redesign podcast was brought to you by our sponsors. Thanks for tuning in. Did you love this episode of the Overseas Life Redesign podcast? then please subscribe to our show and leave us a nice review. It's very much appreciated. We invite you to visit www.overseasliferedesign.com. We'd also love for you to become part of our OLR community on Facebook. Thank you for listening.